Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello and welcome. My name is Jaquel Lane, your hostess with Education with an Edge, the podcast dedicated to all things related to youth because we know that every child matters and we hope that you do too. I am here with my very good friend for part two um, to talk about his journey as teacher of the year, Mr. Lee Perez. Welcome again. We're so very fortunate to have you. Thank you for having me back, Jaquel, and happy Friday. Yes, happy (laughs) Friday. So exciting. Um, So, you know, obviously a lot has happened since we kind of launched January 1 was like, here you are, teacher of the year, Nebraska Teacher of the Year, and you had have all these exciting things out in front of you. So I guess we'll just go ahead and start with what are you the most proud of, Lee, since you have been appointed Teacher of the Year? Uh, just going out and uh, giving speaking engagements. Uh, I just finished my 23rd speaking engagement on Wednesday. It's just been a blessing to go out and spread such a positive message about this profession when there is a lot of toxic negativity going on. So That's really what I wanted to do when I applied for Teacher of the Year, and it's just nice to get out and be super proactive with pretty much all these institutions, talking to student teachers, education majors, and just people affiliated with education in general, and just spread a positive message and just give people some empowerment and hope about things. Because, you know, eventually this pandemic will end and we can start to try to heal the wounds and and move forward together as a collective um, school community. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's been awesome. So absolutely. And I know that the educational community and myself included, thank you for continuing that positive narrative. Um, I think anytime that you can shift um, perspective and shift focus and, and more so focus on the things that we are grateful for the students, lives who you're able to touch every single day um, is is so very important. So thank you for what you're doing. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And speaking about these awesome speaking engagements, you've been all over the place, as you said. Um, can you tell us about the speaking events that you that you have been keynote at and what has been your resounding message? Oh, it's wow. It's a lot. It's so keynote for, you know, aspiring educators. I've spoke to University of Nebraska, Omaha a handful of times, Wayne State College, Doan. Um, I'm trying to think here. There's been so many. It's um, getting ready to speak at Hastings College, Concordia, um, Midland College. I've pretty much talked to every single school in the state of Nebraska except for three or four. I just got done speaking up at Wayne State, and then they're having me back on Friday, um, April 1st. But, yeah, it's just been me. Oh, and obviously the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, that was that was probably my biggest keynote because I was speaking to um, almost 200 student teachers, 189, and I was really happy to see that they had that many student teachers. But, yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy busy right now. A lot of these speaking engagements, sometimes I was double booked. So, for example, when I went to Doan on January 5th, I spoke to education majors. I did a speech twice to two groups of elementary and secondary education majors. And then I drove back, and then two hours later, I did a keynote to UNO secondary student teachers. And, um, oh, yeah, I got to throw I got to throw Peru State College in there, too. I forgot about them. But, yeah, it's been it's been amazing. And it's just been nice because many of these candidates have actually sent me emails 
or came up to me after the keynote or the speech or the presentation or professional development I gave and said, you know, just thank you for being positive because, you know, for example, in our student teaching, you know, we keep hearing all the negative sides of education and all the stuff that we're seeing in the media and on social media. And some said, it's, you know, it's honestly been a breath of fresh air to hear a positive message and a positive spin. And they go, especially somebody like you who still teaches full time and still has to do his um, duties as teacher of the year. Because the interesting thing is, is many of my colleagues that are in the 2022 state teacher of the year cohort, some of them get sabbatical for a yeah. year. Um, I don't. So I have to teach full time and then I have to fulfill the duties of the role. And, you know, it's it's kind of exhausting, but it's a good exhausting, if that makes sense. So it's nice to know that my words are actually resonating with this future generation of educators. And I really hope that they take a lot of words that I say to heart and, you know, use those going forward with our children, which is our most valuable asset. So, yeah, it's been awesome. It's been just truly, truly a surreal experience. And I'm not done yet. So that's right. And we're, we're so fortunate that you're not done yet either. Um, and I am so glad that you hit on that point because your energy is honestly boundless. And I think that's so encouraging, inspiring to so many because yeah, you're teaching full time, like you're engaging, you're interacting with your students, you're making sure that their needs are met. And you're also advocating, you know, on, in a different, in a different way through your um, experiences toy. So, so phenomenal. And yeah, I just keep going going, keep doing like what you're doing. Um, speaking of, you know, I know that one of your big, I I guess your biggest goals this year was to recruit and retain teachers, um, especially teachers of color to the profession, um, like yourself. And so what are you telling these young people, um, as, as you, as you mentioned to kind of, to kind of keep positive, change the message. Um, so what are you telling these young people that want to go into teaching now? I just tell them, you know, just kind of look at education from like your own lens, you know, don't always believe, you know, the hype and the rumors that you're seeing with like the toxic negativity, because I said, you know, look at me, you know, I am super, super busy right now. I should know what professional fatigue looks like. You know, like I said, I'm teaching full time. I'm teacher of the year. I'm doing all these speaking engagements. And then obviously I'm involved on the, you know, national, local and and state level with, you know, like the union and the professional organizations. And I just say, you know, just go out there and experience these things for for yourself and, you know, kind of come to that decision yourself. And I go, just because things are tough right now, that doesn't mean that you have to come to work every day with a smile. It's coming to work and understanding how to adapt to difficult challenges and things that come our way that are difficult to handle. But I always kind of reiterate back to just kind of how the economy looks right now. And I just say, if you decide to leave teaching and obviously you have to do what's best for you and I understand things come up in people's personal lives, you know, you're just going to go to a sector of the economy that's struggling just as much as education or more. So I said, do not let what you're seeing on social media factor into your decision to be a teacher. Because, you know, sometimes after these speeches, you know, I'll do like a QA and a where I'll just kind of give like five or 10 minutes just to answer questions. And, you know, I remember one person saying, well, I saw, you know, on TikTok that people are saying this about, and I said, well, you know, like I also saw on TikTok, you know, some person light his hair on fire. So (laughs) you can't always you know, believe what you want to believe on social media. And I just say, I'm living proof that, you know, you can actually go out and make a positive difference. And I I think 
typically when I start my speeches off, I kind of go over my childhood about how I hated school and how, you know, I ran with the wrong crowd. And I, I kind of relate myself to, I basically say like, you know, I was in jail, you know, I had a problem with alcohol and substance abuse and, uh, you know, I was arrested a few times and I kind of say I'm the, you know, Robert Downey Jr. of education and that <laughs> makes right. people laugh. And I say, you know, he, he's, he's Iron Man. I don't care what anybody says. There's nobody that can, that he, nobody can replace that role in my opinion. But I say, yeah, I am literally the education version of, you know, Robert Downey Jr. And it's kind of one of those things where I hit rock bottom, but I always had really, really amazing teachers there like, you know, Mr. Cisneros and Coach Moore and his family to be there to always be that helping hand that I needed in a time of crisis. And I say that I am living proof that teachers molded me into the, not just the teacher I am today, but just the human being I am today. So I always just kind of want to reiterate back to my own own story of like, Hey, I hit rock bottom and now look at me, I'm on fire. So yeah, that's right. And it's Mm -hmm. never too late as we have talked. And I'm like, so grateful for your friendship too, is that like, it's never too late to change the trajectory of your life. Right. And that's something that I know that you preach to your students. I preach to my students, um, that, you know what, it's absolutely never too late. And I am so grateful. And I know so many people are so grateful that you're willing to be vulnerable because we have a tendency in our society to kind of want to forget, um, those learning experiences that we go through. And it's so important that kids know that you can go through that. You can go through those obstacles. You can go through those trying times. You can still come out better way, you know, farther advanced on the other side. Um, uh, always, you know, and you're like, like a living testament to that. Yeah. And one thing I want to say real quick uh, is sometimes I think I'm really glad I went through some of those really challenging obstacles in my life because sometimes I think hindsight 2020, maybe I wouldn't have been, you know, what I've been doing today if that wouldn't have happened. So in a way it was kind of a, I know this sounds kind of, you know, awkward, but in a way I'm kind of glad some of those things happened because it taught me you know, it taught me to fight through when things were really, really tough, when you definitely hit, you know, rock bottom, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think it also gave you, um, you know, the innate ability to recognize a student that might have a ton of potential and a bright promising future, but is just going through a right, a rough time right now instead of writing them off like some people do, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so I think that's really important to note as well. Yes. Um, so, you know, like I said, you've got so many, you've got so many things going on and, and so many exciting things you've already accomplished, but looking towards the future, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to the most in the coming months? Uh, just continuing to spread my message. You know, I still have a number of engagements booked. I do know that here in the next couple months, as far as on, that's the state level, but as far as on the national level, you know, eventually I'll get to go to the White House and meet my cohort of State Teachers of the Year in person, uh, July, Space Camp, and then I think in I, August or September, we get to go to a professional training on the campus of Princeton, hosted by Educational Testing Services, ETS, and then the pinnacle, kind of like the, you know, the big finale of our 2022 cohort will be the national championship game, I think. Yeah. So that will be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, just talking to my state toys, you know, I've, I've 
become close. I've become really close with Willie from Kentucky. We've talked on the phone a few times. He's an amazing educator out of Kentucky. Willie, if you're listening, man, I love you, brother. We've got so much in common. Uh, Autumn from Colorado, who's actually a finalist, who actually got back from D.C. We zoomed before she went. She's just an amazing educator, doing so many hands-on things with. Um, her students in Colorado specifically I love what she does with like hands-on learning science with the Colorado River I think that is just the best learning that you can do when you can get out in the environment and show kids how to do things hands-on and get their hands dirty and then Ramon from Texas who's also a science teacher we've chatted on the phone a few times and yeah it's just I'm really excited to meet all these people and just you know talk to them in person and give them a hug and stuff so definitely looking forward to that but just Continuing just to, you know, enjoy this day by day, but do the very important work that is involved. And uh, there is still a lot of very important work that is to be done. And I'm just hoping that I can kind of be that voice and that, you know, ambassador that kind of, you know, moves us forward and kind of gets us past this pandemic, which, as you can see from the numbers from you know, the data from like the CDC and like county health departments, things are trending in a very positive direction. So I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see that, you know, we don't have to wear masks and I can see smiling faces right now. It's awesome. So, yeah. Absolutely. It certainly makes a difference. And you talked about some of the awesome people that you had met, um, other toys from other states. Is there any chance of partnerships or collaboration with any specific yeah. states in the future? Yeah, like me and Willie, we talk all the time about just like doing like <laughs> professional developments together. He actually texted me last night and he was just like, man, we got to we got to do a conference together. We got to we got to co-host and we got to co-present something. I was like, yeah, I'm down. And and uh, even Autumn said, you know, one of these days, you know, maybe you can cross state lines in Colorado and come give some ELL linguistic training, I'd be like, I'd, I'd be honored to. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I would love to, you know, absolutely, you know, because that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of the message that I can give in Nebraska would be applicable anywhere in the United yeah. States because, you know, English language learners are students that are in classrooms all across the United States of America. They are not just confined to Nebraska. They are everywhere from the west coast of california to the east coast of new york and you know everywhere in between so it's definitely a message of inspiration empowerment and just overall just language awesomeness with ells that i would love to spread with everybody so yeah that would be awesome yeah we've definitely talked we've got a plethora of ideas how that turns into us actually meeting i don't really know but we still got time to figure that out. So, yeah. <laughs> you absolutely do. And you've got to let us know when that happens because we'll want to follow and, for sure, and support for sure. in any way that we can. Um, you know, I I hesitate to ask this because I know that the whole experience has been rewarding. But is there a specific incident or has someone reached out to you? You've got a great Twitter following and, and you're always posting inspirational, yeah. motivating things on there. What has been your most rewarding experience so far? Just getting to, you know, go out and be a champion for my students. You know, since I since an ESL teacher has never won state toy in Nebraska, my message is a little bit different than a lot of my state toys. So a lot of times, you know, there is a lot of misinformation that goes around about everything, but that includes how language works. And so when I do my keynotes and my professional developments and my speaking engagements, oftentimes I teach 
a lot of, you know, teacher candidates and student teachers like, hey, English language learners are going to be in your classroom. Even if you're not a certified ESL teacher through the state, here are some strategies that you can use to help these kids socially, emotionally, academically, and, and linguistically. And one of the things I do is I actually got this idea from my wife, Mariana Cruz, who's like one of my biggest supporters. If I, you're listening, Mariana, I love you. What I do is I put these slides up in different languages. So I, I'll bring volunteers up. I'll give them like a $5 Starbucks card because it does make them feel uncomfortable. But that's the point. It's, yeah. I want them to feel uncomfortable. So I say, I'm going to put these slides up and I want you to read them. And I'll put them up in a language like Russian or Arabic. And then they look super uncomfortable and they can't read it. And I said, well, now I've just taught you language perspective. So now you know what it's like to be a language learner. So when these students come over from different countries, everything looks like that. From the moment they arrive in the airport at customs to street signs, everything in stores, everywhere they go in school. So it's kind of teaching them that perspective of, hey, imagine going to another country and everything looks like that. That's what our English language learners look like. But I always stress that just because you can't read that, or English language learners can't read that, they can't read it yet. And the yet is important, and that's where I teach them some of the, the strategies that they can use to help our English language learners in mainstream classrooms. And a lot of times people are just kind of blown away by that, and they say, wow, you know, I never, I never thought of it like that. And I go, I just taught you one word. That is perspective. And a lot of times teachers will get frustrated with ELLs, and I say, you know, I always kind of show them that example right there, and they're like, Wow, it's like an aha moment. And then I said, yes. So now that you know that, you got to understand that if you ever traveled to a different country, it would be the same thing. And it's really cool because, you know, when I was, for example, when I was at UNL, I asked the 189 student teachers who I was speaking to in the auditorium as their keynote for their professional development day. I said, how many of you have English language learners in your classroom right now? And I would say about 99% of the room raised their hand. And I said, so today I'm going to teach you some strategies and tips to work with these kiddos in your classroom. And yeah, I had people come up to me saying, wow, something as simple as doing that can really help this kid. And I go, yes. So I think my message is so important right now because with the crisis in Afghanistan and even in Ukraine, I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. Department of State started resettling Ukrainian refugees here in the United States, specifically in Omaha, and we're going to have more English language learners in our classrooms from Eastern Europe. So I think that these tips and these strategies are super important for all teachers and all teachers need to be, in my opinion, like I think all teachers are language teachers. I really do. And because we live in an era where all kids can benefit from being better readers, all kids can benefit from being better listeners, all kids can benefit from being better writers and all kids can benefit from being better speakers. And those are the four domains of language that I teach my kids. So I'm always saying in my in my speeches and my PDs that these strategies are universal. They're cross-curricular. You know, there's parallels that you can use in science and social studies. So these can benefit all children, not just ELLs. So yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome to see their faces when they have aha moments. Yeah. That is awesome. No. And that is, that is such a good point. And we do, we have so much unrest going on. Um, unfortunately in our world that I wouldn't be surprised of that either. And it's so important as teachers to stand united and to welcome those welcome, be welcoming and accepting and understanding of those children. For so, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And be culturally proficient as well. Absolutely. So, yep. Um, of the, of the trauma that they're going through. Um, So what are some of your, you've already accomplished a ton of goals, so I don't mean to say that, but what are some of your upcoming goals that you have as teacher of the year? 
Uh, wow, that is a really, really good question. Honestly, to just continue what I'm doing and just keep up the pace. And, you know, one goal I would like to do is maybe when I finally meet my cohort, maybe we can all form some type of, I don't know, some type of committee that could really make our work, you know, it could elevate at times a hundred. And that's something that I'd really like to discuss with a lot of toys, you know, specifically toys about, you know, because our, our group is very diverse about maybe, you know, joining maybe some type of informal committee where we could meet and we could, you know, exchange ideas and collaborate and figure out how we could, you know, retain and recruit more teachers of colors. And it's not just teachers of color, it's administrators too. It's from the top, you know, superintendents, it's from the top down because, you know, like I said, you know, our student bodies are very, very culturally diverse. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, this, you know, like when I always like ask people, have you ever traveled to a foreign country? I said, as human beings, the first thing we do is we look for people that look like us. We look for people that look like us. We're observant. We also listen for similar languages. And that's just what we do as human beings, because we want to find people that look like us and speak our language. And it's the same in teaching like kids when they come into school, you know, to see people that look like them is super, super inspirational and empowering to them. And specifically, you know, a double bonus would be, oh, this teacher looks like me, this principal looks like me, and they also speak my language. And it's like, it gives them hope. And it gives them some, you know, not some, a lot of inspiration to say, hey, you know, if this person can go through all this adversity and go through all these challenges in life as a person of color, then in my life, I'm going through challenges and things like that. I can definitely be successful like this principal, like this teacher, like the superintendent. So it's diversifying the pool just all over, not just teachers. So yeah. And I really hope that school districts will take that into consideration. And I really hope that they go out and they're very proactive with looking for diverse candidates of color that can really bring a multitude of talents into our into our classrooms yep in our school systems absolutely and you touched on an awesome program aspiring educators and i hope that that work yeah. starts that work of recruiting and fostering a love for education starts for sure. early yeah, you know the sure. earlier the better um in asking kids hey have you ever thought about being a teacher have yeah. you ever thought about absolutely. being like miss so-and-so or mr so you know so it's it's super important absolutely yes um so what are some of the issues that you are most passionate about advocating for in the state of Nebraska? Well, obviously recruiting and reteach- retaining more teachers of color, but just giving all teachers just that cultural and linguistic awareness and lens of what it's like to work with English language learners. Because when I applied for teacher of the year, looking at data from NDE, the Nebraska Department of Education, I I discovered that 7% of Nebraska's populations are ELL. And that number might seem small, but that's literally thousands of kids across the state, everywhere from Omaha to North Platte to the Panhandle and Scotts Bluff that need academic and language needs met on a daily basis. And again, with war, famine, terrorism, political destabilization, electoral fallacies going on across the world and all just kind of turmoil and chaos going on right now, specifically with Afghanistan and Russia and Ukraine, I I would imagine with anywhere within the next five to 10 years, that number could jump to easily 10 to 12%. And, you know, Nebraska and specifically Omaha is a huge hub for refugees. And we have lots of nonprofits in Omaha that do an amazing job of welcoming these families and getting them the resources that they need to start 
a very, very productive life here in the United States of America. So it's just teaching teacher candidates just culturally responsive, you know, pedagogy inside and outside the classroom because, like I said, you know, you have a very diverse student body, no matter. And and the thing is, is when you look at data from NDE, a lot of these populations aren't just in rural or sub-rural Nebraska. They're starting to sprawl out into sub um, rural and rural Nebraska, you know, places where ESL positions never were, you know, available are now popping up in small town rural Nebraska. And that tells, yeah, exactly. And that tells me that a lot of these populations are starting to move into the rural communities in Nebraska. And with that, there needs to be teachers that need to be trained on how not just culture works, but how language works, because language and culture are very much, very much an inclusive phenomenon and not an exclusive phenomenon. So, yeah, that's what I'm super passionate about right there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, This is a tough question, but if you had an endless amount of resources, where would you allocate them? (laughs) For kids. Just anything that can benefit kids, that's where money would be allocated to. And, you know, I that is a really, really loaded question. And honestly, and and this is the one thing I'm going to say because I want people to hear this because kind of like my story, you know, growing up with all the trials and tribulations, I don't really know the answer to that question. And I always tell teacher candidates and student teachers and just teachers in general, it's okay to say the words, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with saying that because that shows that you're a human being. But I say it is the knowledge and most importantly, the wisdom to want to know the right answer or answers that can make you just not a more productive teacher, but a more productive human being. So I'm going to go ahead and play the I don't know card right now. But what I would say is if I really had to sit down and think about it, any any way that allocation of funds could benefit the needs of students, specifically marginalized communities of color, that would be a start. But basically all kids. But yeah, that is, yeah, I would, ha- I would have to think about that. So I, I, I'm going to give the I don't know answer because that's okay to do. I tell people that all the time. But what I would say is anything that can benefit the needs of students would would be the first start so yeah well I think that was a really good answer thank you Um, you. it's a very it's a very difficult question but just with you know obviously that's the big question in education is where do we allocate you know oh for sure allocate funds and and how can we help our kids and um and so I, I thought you gave an excellent answer um and this is more of a fun question but what's the thing that you're most looking forward to and where are you headed where am I headed? Oh, most looking forward to, <laughs> yeah. well, this is non-education related. That's uh, fine. <laughs> me and my wife, me and my wife are getting ready to go to Cancun, Mexico for spring break. Yay. So, um, I am, I really enjoy doing my work, but, um, I was telling Willie last night, we were texting back and forth. I go, Willie, I'm so tired. I just, I need a break. And he goes, yeah. I hear you brother. Just go, just go take the week off. So I am looking forward to just kind of I love what I do and I'm super passionate about what I do, but I'm really looking forward to just going to Mexico with my wife and doing absolutely nothing because I never thought that public speaking could be so exhausting. It is extremely exhausting. It is just, it, it drains you. Yeah. It really does. And when you have to do it for, which many of my keynotes and speeches are at least an hour long, and then sometimes you have to do it back to back, it is incredibly exhausting and you are super fatigued. So I'm looking forward to just going to Mexico, getting some sun and swimming and just doing absolutely nothing and 
not feeling one bit bad about it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's an important thing too, like to teach kids that self-care is really important. Absolutely. And oftentimes in high achievers like yourself, like it is absolutely essential to take those mental breaks, those physical breaks, just to relax and give back to yourself and your family. Um, and so I'm glad that you're doing that. Yeah. And that's the thing I, I told my principal, Mr. Um, Anthony, uh, CK Clark is Merrick. We call him Mr. CK, Mr. CK. I just want to say, if you're listening, thank you for your support and thank you for Alice Buffett magnet middle school support. You've been an amazing principal and your staff has been amazing. But I went to my principal and I said, you know, I have said no to some speaking engagements because it, it did, you know, for example, with state testing with my English language learners, it's called ELPA 21. I said, you know, my first priority is my school, my children. I go, I know my advocacy and my voice is needed right now as Nebraska Teacher of the Year, but I, I basically said, I will not do anything that will disrupt my classroom. And I just said, you know, a lot of times when um, speaking engagements come up in February in the midst of testing, I would say, you know, I turn things down. Like I was asked a few times to testify as Teacher of the Year, and I had to say no because of ELPA testing because my students come first. But I would always offer like, you know, if I couldn't do it, I would say, you know, I can't do it this week or that week, but maybe I could offer like an alternative. But yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, being state teacher of the year is important, but my principal and my school is what got me state teacher of the year. And I feel that, you know, my kids are also why I got it. So they absolutely come first. And then obviously spreading my message is important, but I just want to make sure that, you know, because, you know, sometimes you can get wrapped up in this and, you know, you can think like, oh, yeah, I still do have to teach full time. I'm not on sabbatical. And I'm literally I think I'll be done testing next week, probably on Monday. But, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes you got to stay laser focused on what got you state teacher of the year, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that has been my principal in my school. And I'm super appreciative of that. So. Well, you are so very fortunate to have such a supportive staff and principal and school. They're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. But they are so very fortunate to have you. And thank I'm you. Sure thank that you. They know that. Thank so, you. And we are very fortunate to have you in the state of Nebraska representing us. Thank um, you. Thank you so on much. On a national level. So thank you so much, my friend, Lee Perez, Teacher of the Year, for being here with us on Education with an Edge. Uh, just a shout out to two of our amazing sponsors, um, the Nebraska Foundation for Suicide Prevention and Boys Town uh, National Suicide Hotline, both amazing organizations. If you are a youth or a parent that uh, is struggling right now with mental health, um, please reach out to either of those organizations and they can absolutely assist you. Uh, we want you to remember that we need your light. We need your love in this world. Keep fighting. And thank you so much again for being with us here on Education with an Edge podcast. Have a great day. Take care, everybody. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to jaquellane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Huda Media Production.